Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. And boy, do we have a great show lined up for you today. Our guests today are Tommy Clark and Ed Mongan from BHP Bilton. And as always, we have oil and gas trivia at the end of the show. So listen closely for your chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Kim, I believe it's time to bring our guests, Tommy Clark and Ed Mongan, onto the show. Thanks, Alvin. Ed, Tommy, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm so glad to have both of you with us on the radio show. Tommy, can you start with giving our listeners your background and how did you become the head of corporate affairs for Shell for BHP Billiton Petroleum? Sure, Kim. Uh, Alvin, great to be with you today. Um, So it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it as short as I can. I spent about 30 years in um, uh, prior to coming to BHP Billiton uh, in the predominantly rail transportation business, and I had my own government affairs consulting business. And uh, one day I decided that I needed more structure in my life, and uh, Petrahawk Energy kind of walked into it, and I joined Petrahawk. And then shortly thereafter, BHP acquired Petrahawk, and uh, it's been kind of a, a, a great ride ever since. I can imagine, because Petrahawk was actually the first uh, EMP in the Eagle Ford, correct? That's correct. They have uh, are somewhat credited with uh, discovering the Eagleford Shale. How exciting. We also have Ed. Well, um, Ed, tell us a little bit about your background as well. You are the senior manager of the environment and regulatory areas for BHP Billiton Business. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, thanks, thanks Kim. I'm really uh, pleased to join you today as well. I guess it goes back to um, when I got a master's degree in environmental engineering at the University of Delaware, quite a few years ago, and with that degree, I joined DuPont. Um, I worked at several of DuPont's chemical facilities in, in the U.S. Um, I became very familiar with Houston because DuPont had a lot going on in Houston. I also got a bit of international experience uh, working with DuPont in places like Japan and Korea and China. And then around 2006, I, I um, was working as a director of energy and environment for DuPont, and I got contacted by BHP Billiton, and they had an opportunity to head up their climate change practice in London. So I, I really jumped at the chance. It was an international assignment, uh, you know, great opportunity to learn some new things in a, in a new business. Um, spent a year in London with BHP, and then they asked me to move to Melbourne, Australia, where I worked as uh, – a uh, you know senior manager in the environment and and climate change space and finally um, realized uh, you know with with family and everything else it was time to get back to the U.S. and had a great opportunity to come to Petroleum and, and join them as their environment and regulatory manager in 2013. So I've been here um, working in that space since then. Very interesting as well. So Ed, can you tell us a little bit about BHP Billiton, the company? Um. Sure, Kim. I, I guess it might be good to give a bit of history. The company is um, over uh, 150 years old. It started as um, called Broken Hill Proprietary Limited in in uh, a town called Broken Hill, Australia, where they had their first operation with a zinc mine. It um, it has been a 
it is the world's largest mining company, and it's also a very significant petroleum company. It, it's one of the very few mining companies that also have uh, major petroleum operations. We uh, our, our mining operations include iron ore in Western Australia. They include uh, copper in uh, Chile, as well as copper in Australia, and uh, and in the United States. We have um, coal mining operations in the United States, in Australia, and in Colombia. And um, we have uh, obviously our petroleum operations are worldwide: Western Australia, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, in the U.S., onshore for the shale operations and offshore in the Gulf of Mexico. So that's that's the business makeup. BHP Billiton is a very diverse company and a very large company, uh, to say the least. Well, guys, like we said, it's a pleasure to have both of you on the show with us today. And we're here today to talk about the Investor Environmental Health Network, or the IEHN. They released a scorecard in 2013 that gauged companies' transparency and and the use of best practices for protection of the environment and the community. And I think BHP might not have done too well on that scorecard. Can you give us a little background on what this process is or the scorecard is? Sure, Alvin. This is Tommy. Um, in 2013, when they released their first scorecard, BHP was at the bottom of the list. And Ed and I got wind of that list and, and looked at it and said, you know, something's just not right here. And so we dived into it a little bit deeper and, and actually, you know, said, what about calling them? So we called them and engaged with them to try to understand exactly what uh, they were trying to do, what their intent was behind the scorecard. And when we uh, understood that, uh, it's basically they represent a large number of investors that uh, predominantly faith-based investing firms that have, you know, large sums of pension fund dollars that they want to make sure are invested wisely in companies. And at this time, they were looking at energy companies that were performing hydraulic fracturing operations. And they didn't quite understand that, but they knew there was a lot of risk at it. Uh, And they wanted to ensure their investor community that the companies that they intended to invest with were mitigating the risk or, you know, really paying attention to the risk associated with hydraulic fracturing. And how better to do that than to develop a scorecard that kind of rated those those companies. And um, so the first scorecard came out. You know, we didn't rate too well, and we found out the reason why is that they looked at the websites. They looked at public disclosed information like annual reports, sustainability reports, anything on the website. Well, BHP is a huge company, and we have a number of businesses, and we aggregate, you know, all of that materiality on a very high level. So it really wasn't broken down on a per-shale basis, and that's what they were looking for, is what are you doing on a shell-by-shell play basis? And once we understood that, um, Ed and I said, well, let's dive in internally to figure out what are we currently doing today that we know we're, that we know we're publicly reporting, but they're just not finding it or, or it's not on our website. And we figured out the best way to do that is write a specific case study and then ask our folks in Melbourne to post it on the website rather than have them change their website, which was basically, you know, not going to happen. So they agreed. And uh, we sought out and and, um, enlisted the help of tremendous amount of internal subject matter experts and and determined what we're currently doing and and wrote a case study and submitted that on our website. And the next year, as you, as your listeners will uh, probably understand, we went from last place in 2013 to 
first place in 2014, uh, securing a score of 18 out of 35, which, you know, in the IHN folks, you know, they said, hey, that's great. But, you know, the rest of the industry is still kind of lagging behind the expectations. And there are several companies that have uh, significantly improved their disclosures over the past year. And they, they called us out as being one of the companies that had significantly improved. I just want to wrap my head around this. You guys came in pretty much at the very bottom with the first initial scorecard. And then the second scorecard, you actually topped the list. We went from last to first in 14 and then also maintained first place, but significantly improved in 15. Correct. You guys were actually regarded as the disclosure leader in the oil and gas industry from the IE agent's standpoint. As Tommy mentioned, you know, we were just getting our getting an understanding of what the scorecard was all about. And um, so we came up with the concept of doing this case study where we, we laid out the information in, in, in a much greater detail than would have been in our sustainability report. And that, and that got us to the, you know, basically to the top of the scorecard in 2014. But in their report, they were still suggesting that industry was still only about halfway there. We, I think we scored 18 out of 32. Um, they were continually raising the bar. They came back in 2015 with 39 areas that they wanted to score. So we went back to the drawing board and really drilled down to see if we couldn't meet as many of those uh, disclosure criteria as possible. And we we uh, produced a new case study that went into a, a bit more detail on some of the areas they were concerned about. And, and the result was we scored 32 points out of out of 39. We continued to lead the pack. You could see everyone was coming up, but but in their scores across the industry, people were kind of becoming aware of this and trying to do better. Um, I think the fact that we had engaged with them and really got a good understanding of what they were looking for, and we recognized the importance of of you know being understood by these investors, so that helped us get to you know maintain our spot at the top. Well, it definitely sounds like BHP put a lot of time and effort into really disclosing information, helping this uh, nonprofit gather their data, and uh, definitely um, trying to step up to being a leader. So I do understand why you guys would rank so much higher um, in 2015. So let's jump into the information that goes into each scorecard. The first item is disclosing chemicals in frac fluid, which is, you know, Highly, highly <laughs> visible in, in all media platforms. Everybody wants more information on this this area. What were your findings thus far? Well, clearly, you know, this was a really important topic for the investors. It's it's a top it's a topic that's important across uh, the industry, and it's you know the NGOs and other other organizations are looking to get um, full disclosure of chemicals that are used in frac fluids. So, like. Industry, like the rest of industry, we use the frac focus chemical disclosure registry for all of our wells. Um, that provides the basic uh, chemical names and, and, and the chemical uh, numbers for the ingredients that go into our, into our frac fluids. But they went beyond just disclosing chemicals. That was the first concern. The second one is, are, are you using certain more troublesome or problematic chemicals in your frac fluids? And those particular ones that they highlighted are um, diesel, as well as uh, something called BTEX, which stands for uh, benzene, toluene, ethylbenzene, and xylene. And those are chemicals which are particularly of concern if they were to, for example, be um, uh, leaked or spilled into surface waters or, or groundwater. 
So we were able to confirm that we don't use either diesel or any of the BTEX compounds in our frac fluids. Um, the other concern is, is even though chemicals are being disclosed, there remains a few chemicals that are being uh, characterized as trade secret chemicals. And again, that's a, that's a concern because the uh, investors and, and other stakeholders are looking for full disclosure. So we've worked very hard with our um, suppliers who, who actually do the, uh, uh, the chemical mixtures and do the, do the reporting on our behalf to absolutely minimize that use of trade secret chemicals. And so one of the ways they do that is by reporting on the basis of not giving the specific um, name of their so-called secret ingredients. They can, they can in disclose the individual chemical ingredients, but not the overall mixture and percentages that go in to uh, those, those aspects that they want to keep secret. So that seems to be working reasonably well, and it's really getting the uh, number of trade secret claims down to an absolute minimum. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo, from oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Hey, make plans and be sure to join us at the Houston Energy Breakfast. It's going to be held March the 31st at the Norris Conference Center at City Center, and we're going to hear from Jonathan Lewis. He's the senior VP at Halliburton, Michael Thomas, the COO of North American Gas at BP America, and R.T. Dukes, the senior research director at Wood McKenzie. If you want to save a little on your registration, use the discount code SHALEMAG for $10 off at checkout. March the 31st at the Norris Conference Center at City Center. It's the Houston Energy Breakfast. We'll see you there. Ever feel like you've hit a wall with your business? Like you haven't been able to turn the corner on a new avenue for your company? Well, Turning Point Strategies is here to help. Turning Point Strategies is for those startup companies or companies that have been doing very well, but maybe want to move to the next level or are at a turning point. They're looking to think outside the box and that's where we come in. We provide those different strategies to help them turn the corner at that point where they need consulting services. At Turning Point Strategies, we can not only help you turn the corner, we will give you insight on how to prevent yourself from hitting another plateau. We have helped a lot of different companies at many different levels succeed. Call us today at 210-227-5678. Again, that number is 210-227-5678. And visit our website, turningpointstrategies.com. Again, that's turningpointstrategies.com. Are you at your turning point? Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, along with your host, Kim Bellotto. We're visiting today with the folks from BHP Billiton. And guys, before the break, we were talking about well integrity and water. And, you know, fracking does use a decent amount of water, but it's not near what people originally thought. And how do you manage this water, and how much do you use in a typical well, and where does this water come from? Well, that's a great question. Um, let me start off with talking about how much we use. So a typical well would use about 100,000 barrels of water. 
Um, that's roughly 4 million gallons of water. So it is a lot of water to, to, uh, to conduct the hydraulic fracturing. Um, one of the things we do is we transport that water from the well where we, we, we this water typically comes from groundwater in Texas. So we, we will transport, we need to get the water from the groundwater well to the hydraulic fracturing site. And what we've done is use pipelines to do that now so that we're getting away from the practice of using trucks to transport all that water. So if you, you take that 100,000 barrels of water and maybe a truck could, could haul 100 barrels of water, that would be 1,000 trucks for each well on the road. And so that's getting a, a very large amount of traffic off the road by using pipelines to transport water. So that's been a big change for us and a big improvement. The other thing we uh, we look at is, is evaporation. We use what we call uh, frac ponds to store water before it's used in the hydraulic fracturing process. And, and in certain times of the year, there can be a significant issue with evaporation. Now, we haven't solved that issue, but we're aware of it, and we're looking for anything we can do to, uh, to minimize that. So the other big area that we're focusing on is can we use alternate sources of water? Even though, as, as, as you mentioned there, we're a relative, you know, for hydraulic fracturing overall is, is, is a relatively small source of water consumption. We're still looking for ways to use alternate sources because we can use a more brackish water that wouldn't be suitable for uh, drinking water or for agricultural purposes. And so where we can do that, we can really get out of the, uh, you know, get out of the, the line of, uh, uh, of where people are concerned that, that maybe there's, you know, potential uh excess demand or, or, or issues with uh, drinking water. Some of the studies by the uh, Texas Water Development Board have kind of aggregated water use across the state and in, and in the various regional water planning areas. And what you'd see if you look at the state as a whole from the most recent Water for Texas report is that oil and gas production, including hydraulic fracturing, is, is only about 1% of the total water consumed across the state of Texas. And the major users are in the are the cities, the municipal users, as well as agriculture for uh, irrigation. Um, like I said, even though we're a, you know it is a relatively small use, even in the areas where there's concentrated oil and gas activities like the uh, Eagle Fort Shale play, it's still a relatively small portion of the overall water use. And I think that's really profound because. You think about the cities, um, you know, to uh, service the population, they are the largest user of water. You've got uh, municipalities using it for, for the population. There's the golf courses. There's all kinds of uses for water in, in our municipalities. And then the second user being agriculture, and, and we absolutely need that for, uh, you know, food. But then the third is, you know, we are so dependent on energy and energy services as well, and yet it uses so little of the water that uh, other areas that are necessities as well in, in daily modern living also uh, use so much more water. So thanks for helping us visualize the differences and how much water is being used and where. Another uh, interesting area, the next item was air admissions, which is a very hot topic, but also a, a very important topic. And I want to cover that, especially because it's been, you know, a hot topic in oil, the oil and gas industry. Can you tell us about the admissions that come from the average fracking of a well? Well, there's, there's um, different kinds of air emissions that come from fracking a well. Some, some of it is just the exhaust from the engines that are uh, providing the power to the uh, compressors and the, and the drilling and, all, and those, those sort of mechanical activities. And so you'll have typical engine exhaust. Um, the one that is 
taken a lot of focus and interest from the U.S. EPA is methane emissions. Methane essentially is natural gas um, emissions. And so where you potentially have leaks or other losses of methane while you're either drilling the well or while you're producing the product, um, that can become a, a significant concern because it's a, it's a powerful greenhouse gas. I mean, methane has a multiplier of about uh, 25 times the greenhouse gas potential of carbon dioxide. So EPA's had a big focus on this. They've got um, a, a methane challenge program where they're encouraging companies to find and fix leaks and losses of methane in their in their operations. Um, one of the things we've done is joined a uh, coalition of natural gas production, uh, transmission, and distribution companies that have all committed to making voluntary reduction of methane emissions across their operations. And um, this is these companies cover the uh, the entire value chain, so from where we produce uh, natural gas to where it's uh, processed, transported via pipelines, and then ultimately distributed in in the community. So we have companies from all representing all of those different areas. It's called One Future, and it's been recognized by um, EPA as a uh, partner in what they call their Methane Challenge Program, where they're looking to uh, reduce emissions from existing facilities. So the vision for the One Future organization is to achieve a methane leak or loss rate of no more than 1% of, of the gross production amounts by the year 2025. And this is down about um, 30 to 40% from the emissions rates in 2012 when it was kind of the baseline for EPA's program. So there's, that's it's a big challenge, but uh, we've looked at the uh, we've looked at the data, we've looked at the technologies that can be brought to play, and we think we can do that cost effectively. And actually, keeping that methane in the pipelines, and you know, it, that's the product that we want to sell anyway. So it's a real positive thing for the industry to uh, reduce those losses. Uh, one other quick thing I wanted to mention was that we. Um, in, in the last most recent uh, fiscal year for our company, we reduced our greenhouse gas emissions more than 3% across our shale plays despite growing our business 15% in that, in that particular year. Very interesting. So you went down in, in 3% in emissions, but you went up 15% in overall business growth. Very nice. Well, I think the next question is going to be directed at Tommy. And it's about engaging the community and, and getting the community involved. But first, we do need to take a break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We're visiting with BHP Billiton tonight, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here, just like I am every week in the Oil Patch, right alongside you, fighting for a strong, responsible, successful, and sustainable oil and gas industry right here in the great state of Texas. Both on this show and as a fleet specialist for the Caleb Auto Group, I get to keep a first-hand perspective on the hard work that goes into making this such a great industry. And trust me, I understand how important it is to maintain both your company's image, the reliability, and the integrity of your fleet. And you can't break the bank doing it. So whether your fleet action plan requires leasing, buying outright, or something that falls kind of in between, I can help you. Kalig Fleet Sales represents 11 brands and 16 stores that include Ford, Ram trucks, and Toyota trucks on the heavy-duty side, and Lincoln, Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, and Lexus on the luxury side. Hey, time is money, so our service departments offer pickup and delivery and rapid response to get you back on the road quickly. I would love the opportunity to help you keep your fleet plan rolling, so let's talk. 
call me at area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can email me directly, abailey at kaligauto.com. That's abailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, at kaligauto, K-A-H-L-I-G-A-U-T-O dot com. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Hey, 2016 is a great time to grow your business, and there is no time like the present to improve the awareness of your brand. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that will keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey along with your host, Kim Bellotto, visiting tonight with BHP Billiton. Tommy, before we went to break, we were talking about air emissions. Another very important part of what you guys are doing is engaging the community and letting the communities know what's going on. This is paramount in any drilling operation. What kind of engagement do you do as a company and how does it impact the communities that you're serving? Sure, Alvin. So the fifth component in the IE. EHN scorecard was community engagement. And what they wanted to know is where companies that are engaging in hydraulic fracturing operations, do the communities in those areas know um, what the impacts of our operations are to them? And do they have an outlet or a, a feedback channel that they can voice those concerns, complaints, grievances? And how do they know that those complaints and grievances are being recognized and uh, rectified? And so what IEHN wanted to know in this particular case is what are you doing to do that? And at BHP Billiton, we do several things. One, we go into a community. Uh, we do we develop a social baseline study that kind of tells us what's kind of the demographics of that community. We uh, address a kind of a social opportunity and impact assessment, which is basically what are the needs in that community. And then we develop a very targeted community development management plan that kind of directs our social investment. Now, Beyond that, we actually establish a community reference group uh, in these communities, and, and that's kind of a small focal group that's made up of, you know, stay-at-home moms, school teachers, um, uh, say, bank representatives, 
just members of the community, the civic leaders in the community that help us understand and validate what our studies are telling us and also validate, you know, where this, where our investment may be targeted at the best, but also help us gauge that barometer of uh, the impacts of our operations to the community and vice versa. Now, in addition to that, we spend a lot of time and effort and energy and investment with the uh, emergency response groups in these communities, as well as volunteer fire departments, for example, and beefing up their equipment and and training uh, them in the unlikely event that they would have to respond to a to a situation on our one of our operations. And it's been a very valuable, uh, engaging tool with them to to work with them and, and make sure that they understand uh, the the ramifications around hydraulic fracturing operations in the event they had to make a response. And um, but the complaints and grievance process, I think, is the one thing that uh, IEHN folks really liked is that we actually have a a 1-800 number, and we, we make it um, – we distribute that number as far and wide as we can and communicate to the community that if you ever have a complaint or grievance or a question or concern about our operations, here's how you can contact us, and we will have a team of folks that will work that and get back to them. How important is that conversation to have with these communities? It's very important, and and as you know, early on in the shale boom, you know there was a lot of uh, activity and uh, a lot of issues, a lot of complaints around noise, dust, uh, roads, tra- you know the transportation congestion in, in a lot of the shale plays were were a big issue, and so it was it was very critical that there was a dialogue that that the communities knew who you were and and that you were listening to their their concerns and reacting. Now, Tommy, let's stay on the community investment for just a moment. Uh, the oil and gas industry, in my opinion, doesn't do a very good job of patting itself on the back. So let me pat you on the back for a minute. Talk about some of the investments that you make, not only with volunteer fire departments, but some of the other organizations that, that oil and gas supports in not only Texas, but in America. Believe it or not, in America, there's a lot of poverty and, and people that are, that are hungry, uh, people that may have some uh, healthy lifestyle issues that maybe aren't eating the right type of food. Maybe it's a nutritional but it's also educational-related, so we spend a lot of money investing in early childhood development, and um, we've invested probably close to uh, over a million dollars in just you know education in and around our, uh, our plays. But we recently are most proud of probably the $10 million investment in northwest Louisiana where we're helping assist the YMCA build a brand-new facility that will enable um, folks in that area that, um, you know, are probably – there's a, there's a healthy lifestyle issue there in the nation as a whole. You know, there's an obesity, diabetes uh, issue. And so the YMCA is pretty good at developing some programs around that and helping combat that. Uh, and just in South Texas, too, San Antonio, we've, we're helping the San Antonio River Authority Foundation come together with Confluence Park Pavilion, about a $2.5 million investment that BHP put together. And one final thing, in addition, we do a lot of work with food banks because there again, there's there's a lot of need and assistance um, in fulfilling that. But in West Texas, it's kind of a neat deal. We partnered with the West Texas Food Bank, and actually they brought to our attention they needed a, a refrigerated truck to go down into the valley and bring produce back up into uh, West Texas. And so we actually bought them a nice refrigerated truck, and it's all painted orange, and, it's, and they call it the Big Orange Truck. And, and, and if your <laughs> li- listeners understood why, BHP's, you know, one of their main t- color palettes is a, it's kind of an iron ore orange. And th- this truck runs up and down uh, 
the interstate between uh, Midland, Odessa, and the Valley and collecting produce and servicing over 19 counties in West Texas. Amazing work you're doing. Gentlemen, we're going to take a break, but I do want to come back and talk a little bit more about the civic investment or the community investment that you're doing uh, as a company. And we'll be right back within the oil patch. Ever feel like you've hit a wall with your business? Like you haven't been able to turn the corner on a new avenue for your company? Well, Turning Point Strategies is here to help. Turning Point Strategies is for those startup companies or companies that have been doing very well, but maybe want to move to the next level or are at a turning point. They're looking to think outside the box, and that's where we come in. We provide those different strategies to help them turn the corner at that point where they need consulting services. At Turning Point Strategies, we can not only help you turn the corner, we will give you insight on how to prevent yourself from hitting another plateau. We have helped a lot of different companies at many different levels succeed. Call us today at 210-227-5678. Again, that number is 210-227-5678. And visit our website, turningpointstrategies.com. Again, that's turningpointstrategies.com. Are you at your turning point? Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha source side-by-side owner study. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, along with your host, Kim Bellotto, and we're visiting tonight with BHP Billiton. Kim? Um, Let's talk about well integrity. How can you break down the process for someone who is completely unaware of what goes into the drilling and uh, upkeep of a very healthy well. Well, I think the um, the first thing to to point out is that our wells are quite deep. They typically go down uh, many many thousands of feet into the uh, formation where we where we find the petroleum products. So on the way down, we're drilling typically drilling through what might be a uh, drinking water aquifer. And so the real key is to protect that drinking water aquifer from any contact with either the fluids that we're pumping down our wells to do the hydraulic fracturing or from the product that's coming up, the petroleum products coming up the well. So the the way that's done is with multiple protective barriers. So we have casings around our wells that um, seal off any anything that we're producing or using from the uh, surrounding ground or, or any aquifers that we are, are penetrating through. Um, our wells, for example, have a surface casing that goes well below the depth of an aquifer and then there's interior casings that go on down that will actually carry the materials. So this surface casing pr- pr- provides an extra barrier, an extra measure of protection. And then that's cemented off to seal it so that there's no possible leakage out of that barrier. Um, the, the other thing we do is there's an annular space between each layer of the case, between each of the protective casings. And we can monitor the pressure in that space and any 
change in pressure might be a signal that there's a, there's a problem or potentially a leak in one of the inner casings. We can go down and find and fix that leak before there's any possibility of it migrating to one of the um, one of the outer casings. So that that annulus monitoring is ongoing, and that's a key protective measure. Well, you know, Ed and, and Tommy, you guys, we we were talking before the break about the involvement, the community involvement that BHP has done over the years or has given certain communities um, in which you are drilling in, working in. But I really want to cover two specific areas that you were talking about and go back and revisit them just a little bit more. You all did make a $2 million um, donation to the San Antonio River Authority in which we will have a a state-of-the-art, first-of-its-kind park created as a result of that donation to help... uh, you know, children understand water and water conservation. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, why you guys wanted to do that and um, and the vision of, of, of creating this park? Sure. Uh, so BHP, we look at several levels of investment, and, and that particular level was a legacy investment. We wanted to kind of leave a, a legacy statement with the community. And the South Texas and the San Antonio market is not necessarily in the backyard of our operations in, in the Eagleford, but very, very close to it and very important to us from a um, stakeholder engagement standpoint. So it, and it kind of encompasses everything that we do, the conservation around water, the education around for children and opportunity for outdoor engagement around the conservation efforts that it provides. Plus, it's just a great project that we felt like it was uh, something that we just couldn't pass up. And we know how important it is to the citizens of San Antonio. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that that was one of the nicest donations we have seen in a very long time and one of the first from an energy company. And we uh, hopefully will see more. So let's yeah. let's go back and talk about the big orange truck and uh, the donation that uh, came from the West Texas uh, Food Bank. Let's talk to us a little bit about what happened and why that started. Well, it started with... Uh, one of our, our folks that our community engagers there that uh, engaged with the West Texas Food Bank, they were doing a um, kind of a capital campaign drive to build a new um, West Texas Food Bank facility um, in the middle of Odessa area. And we came in at, the, at an opportune time where we were able to get them over their capital campaign goal. Uh, we made about a $650,000 donation to help them with that. And that also included a, um, a backpack for kids program to where we actually worked with the food bank and um, schools in the uh, Pecos area that were identified children that were basically going home hungry on the weekends. They didn't have uh, didn't have enough food, and so the teachers within certain schools identified certain kids, and we actually, our donation actually went to helping those kids go home on a Friday afternoon with enough uh, food in their backpack to last them through the weekend until they were back at school. And so that kind of started the whole conversation, and then other things uh, materialized around the uh, the big orange truck. That's amazing. You know, it's it's companies like BHP Billiton and other socially conscious energy companies that actually lead the way in helping see and identify needs in the community and rise to that occasion and give. I really appreciate that. Nonprofit is is very near and dear to my heart, and so I really do appreciate seeing energy companies like BHP Billiton rise up and help their community. So just to recap what you gentlemen were explaining about the IEHN scorecard, it covers the disclosure of chemicals and frac fluid 
the integrity of the well, um, management of the water used in fracking, error admissions caused by fracking, community engagement, and most importantly, community investment. I think it's great, and I think it's out there for anyone who's interested in reading this report. All they have to do is Google or search for Disclosing the Facts. That's how we found the report online, and I think everyone should read about it and realize how much BHP Billiton and the oil and gas industry as a whole are really doing their part to help reduce the risk of environmentally damaging factors. That's right, Kim. And, and gentlemen, any any closing thoughts? And, you know, one thing that I don't think we mention enough is that you know, BHP Billiton is is such a huge company, but you guys live and work in these communities where you're where you're producing oil. Isn't that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, you know, we have a big presence in these communities. We, uh, our, our folks engage with the communities on a lot of these things that Tommy talked about. They they love to be a part of the volunteer efforts and uh, to experience, uh, you know, the same things the community is experiencing and trying to make it a bit better for everyone. Well, gentlemen, thank you once again for being our guest on In the Oil Patch. We'd love to have you back on our show at some point in the future just to give us more updates on your company and the great things that you guys are doing in the community. Keep up the great work. Tommy, would you like to add any closing thoughts? You know, just uh, wanted to thank you and your listeners uh, for listening today um, and uh, hope that they will uh, check out the IEHN.org website. And uh, it's a great read and it's a great organization too. Alvin and Kim, I'd like to add my thanks and, and to your listeners as well. It's been a great opportunity to talk about disclosure. I'd, I'd also point out that if you're interested in the case study that we put together to uh, to up our disclosure, that's available on our website. Um, it's called Responsibly Managing Hydraulic Fracturing, and that's the bhpbilletin.com website. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. Hey, make plans and be sure to join us at the Houston Energy Breakfast. It's going to be held March the 31st at the Norris Conference Center at City Center, and we're going to hear from Jonathan Lewis. He's the Senior VP at Halliburton, Michael Thomas, the COO of North American Gas at BP America, and R.T. Dukes, the Senior Research Director at Wood McKenzie. If you want to save a little on your registration, use the discount code SHALEMAG for $10 off at checkout. March the 31st at the Norris Conference Center at City Center. It's the Houston Energy Breakfast. We'll see you there. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Hey, 2016 is a great time to grow your business, and there is no time like the present to improve the awareness of your brand. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. 
So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, we had a great show today with Tommy Clark and Ed Mongan from BHP Bilton. What are your thoughts on all the information they shared with us today? Well, I agree with you, Alvin. We had an amazing show. And the fact that um, BHP Bilton is truly a leader with the way that they're they're visionaries they have such transparency they welcome these types of opportunities to show how much they go above and beyond in trying to uh, do the right thing and what a great company I mean you know the categories think about the categories I mean the chemicals in fracking fluids was one of them Um, you know there's so much media attention around what's in the fluid you know and it's really not anything but primarily water and sand. And there are some chemicals, but the fact that they would go into great lengths to partner with this nonprofit to help them see. So you've got, you know, what's in the fracking fluids to the well integrity, sustainability, uh, water management, an extremely important topic as well, the community investment, and then community outreach. You know, all the oil and gas companies do their part to, you know, be good stewards with with the water and and, uh, fracking fluid and everything. But BHP Billiton, just the fact that they are standing up, opening uh, the vault, if you will, and and allowing uh, companies to come in and look around and see what they're doing. Amazing. Great, great, great show. You know, it's great to see BHP Billiton, and and it's really great to see these guys stepping up to the plate and and using a – this is a, this is a third party reporting system. This is a third party nonprofit that is putting the scorecard together, and it's it's great to see the transparency from the oil and gas industry. Um, aside from that, and and that's all great information. I'm and I'm pleased that we had those guys on the air. I never got a chance to ask you earlier in the show. How's the newest issue of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine coming along? Well, it's coming along great. You know, our issue is the Port of Victoria. On this issue, and we really wanted to uh, go outside of our uh, normal area uh, where we normally focus, Houston and Corpus, San Antonio, Dallas, Midland, and uh, we decided to uh, cover something a little different. Uh, we haven't had a port except for Corpus Christi port about two years ago, so this is a nice change, and uh, I won't give away the story, but they are just a dynamic port Um, And so we look forward to our cover party. The city of Victoria is very excited. Uh, We're very excited. We're looking forward to our great uh, party that we're going to have out there uh, with their executives and and our uh, advertisers. So I'm real excited. And, you know, outside of having the Port of Victoria, their uh, chairman, 
Robbie Burge, we also um, have other features like Elizabeth Killinger, who is the president of Reliant, uh, the NRG company. And of course, Steer, as always, writes, um, and their article is really explaining, you know, there's so much, uh, there was so much confusion. Remember when we were having the discussion on the export ban and uh, how that would affect us and, uh, you know, when it was lifted, um, what would that look like? And so uh, in this issue, they're they're talking to us about how it has changed the way that we uh, utilize crude oil. And then, of course, we have... Um, well, and Omar is going to bring a lot of clarity to that subject. Yes, in the article. And, and then we have our normal contributors like David Blackman and Dr. Tom Tunstall and Women's Energy Network, along with uh, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and just so much more. You know, we've got an amazing group of contributing writers. Um, I really do encourage our listeners to go to shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. And you can always look at the issues from the past as well as this when we release them. And they can go online, Alvin, and just uh, fill out, stay in the loop, and they'll always get their digital issue of Shell Magazine. When is the uh, when is the physical copy going to be on the magazine stands? You will be producing it around mid March is when you'll see this issue coming out. Well, Kim, it's time to get our weekly update from Midland with our new correspondent, Catherine Stokes. Take it away. Catherine, welcome back. Um, you will be joining us every week, telling us a little bit about what's going on in the Midland, Odessa, Permian Basin area. So let's get started with um, what's going on in your area this week. Well, we have a couple of new projects that have come up or that I've been informed about, Kim, and I'm excited. The Fab Lab Foundation, it's actually an international project. It's something that is um, sponsored by a number of energy companies and colleges throughout the nation and throughout the world. Um, it's backed by Teaching Institute for Excellence in STEM. Uh, Odessa College was actually lucky enough they applied, and we were able to get a Fab Lab out in the West Texas region, uh, which it'll be the first one out in the West Texas region and has been um, focusing on the rural education piece. They had their first design team meeting February 25th. It was last Wednesday, where they just started working with the Fab Lab Foundation people. They brought in, like, their creative and, and visionary folks to kind of get them started in understanding the capacity of the Fab Lab, how that will help enhance instruction not only at Odessa College uh, and for their students there, but how they can partner up with all of their local partner schools, K through 12, and to really create a good um, teaching and learning environment for the community. Uh, they will be hosting, I think their design team will be hosting three or four more meetings where they will actually start designing, developing, and putting those pieces together. And um, I'll keep you updated on how that design team concept is working and how what their outcomes are looking like. And hopefully uh, the unveiling of the Fab Lab, because I'm sure that they will want to unveil that to community and, and um, to everybody that will get to participate to show them what a great design principle that they have put in place. And the I call them toys. I know they're basically tools of the, tools of the trade, uh, but I call them toys because they will get to have some really, really great things in their studio. And the one good thing about the Fab Lab is whether it is set up in Odessa, Texas, um, Japan, Australia, California, all those labs are set up 
they have the same tools. They may not be set up the same, but they all have the same basic tools and basic principles. So those labs will be able to talk to each other, share resources, and have a basic understanding of what what is present there in each person's lab. So we're we're hoping for some really great outcomes, and I'll keep y'all updated on uh, how the lab is coming along, how it's going to be used, and how they're going to sustain education for the West Texas area. Wow, how exciting for Odessa College. Please do. Um, it sounds like this is something that is definitely going to be a great benefit to the state of Texas. Changing gears just a little bit, um, what about um, you guys are working on uh, the Permian Road Safety Coalition, um, and that also is uh, first of its kind, correct? Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. Um, the, the Permian Road Safety Coalition actually started the summer of 2015, and it was it was just a couple of companies getting together, looking at some of the road incidents and some of the um, concerns that they had, uh, particularly in the Permian Basin region, and with um, the number of accidents and the driving behavior and, and really looking at the number of fatalities. So after that first meeting in the summer, uh, a lot of the companies came up and they said, hey, we really think that this needs to be a larger project and this needs to be something ongoing. Because while they realized that due to the increased growth and the increased activity that was going on in the region, some of the issues that they were having or seeing just wasn't, wasn't just connected to industry vehicles. Um, or commercial vehicles. They were, see- they were seeing a lot of issues that they wanted to take a look at and make that priority for the community. So uh, we had, it's about 64 plus companies that have come together and formed the Permian Road Safety Coalition. They had their first um, meeting that they had announced to the, to the media this past Thursday. They've had some really great ideas come out of that. It's been great to have Civic leaders, we've had the mayors come in, we've had TxDOT, DPS, um, we have oil and gas producers, our service industry, you know, our uh, service energy companies, transportation companies, trucking companies, um, all involved in basically improving road safety and reducing the number of traffic accidents related to the Permian Basin growth. Moving on, we're going to go into the STEM conference, which tell us a little bit about what that is and when's it coming. We are so excited for that. I I actually had meetings all last week with several presenters. Uh, The STEM conference has grown into much more of a um, business, workforce, and educators summit. That will happen August 10th and 11th. August 10th is going to be focused on our K-12 educators. We actually had the folks from NASA and the Johnson Space Center go ahead and commit to. They're going to be doing three different presentations there. Each of those focused on different um, educators. They'll have a a, a very hands-on presentation for our kindergarten through fifth grade educators for them to be able to explore some different projects or or hands-on experiments that they could take back to their classroom to start sparking interest with those young minds. And then they'll move on to the middle school where it'll be a little bit more uh, intense and they'll get to uh, move forward with exploring some different opportunities. They're supposed to bring some great toys with them and some great um, exhibits that we're excited for our teachers to be able to see. Um, uh, University of Texas has also confirmed their GeoForce team and a couple of other um, professional development groups from UT are going to be bringing some great presentations on geology, um, 
biology, marine life, and, and looking at our engineering pieces. And they have a very, very well, um, uh, I want to say streamlined because they have it functioning. I mean, it just functions so well, especially after their first year, that I'm excited for the teachers to be able to see how they can bring some of GeoForce's um, activities into their classroom and some areas that our high school students can take advantage of. Uh, both NASA and UT GeoForce have some great summer programs that um, our high school students could be a part of. That does sound um, like you have some great presenters, NASA and uh, UT GeoForce. Um, so definitely, I put it on my calendar as well. And Catherine, mm-hmm. for our listeners, if anybody wants information on any of the topics or any of the events that are coming that we're talking about, where can they go to uh, the calendar to look up these events? If they will visit our calendar on West Texas Energy Consortium's website, that's www.wtxec.org. And if they visited before, we just did a redesign, so they may have to look for a few things because our new redesign rolled out um, last week, and we've moved some things around. But if they'll go to the calendar of events, uh, it'll show our different um, the events that we're sponsoring and supporting and the events that we're facilitating. And then we try to find events that, even if we're not directly involved in, we think are would be very good events for individuals in our community to attend or possibly groups to attend. Very good. Well, once again, that website is wtxec.org. Again, that's wtxec.org. For more information on any of the events we've talked about today, um, you can go to uh, the website and just look up their calendar. Catherine, again, thank you for joining us on In the Oil Patch and keeping us updated on what's happening in the Permian Basin area. We look forward to hearing from you next week to find out what else is going on in that area. Thanks so much, Kim. Thank you, Catherine, for bringing us your updates from Midland, and thanks to BHP Biltons, Tommy Clark, and Ed Mongan for disclosing the facts about fracking. Thanks, gentlemen, once again for breaking down all these topics for us today, and congratulations because your company is the topic of today's trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com, you'll win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston. That's right, Alvin. So today's trivia question, BHP Billiton recently contributed $1.2 million to what project in San Antonio? That is the question. Please email your response to radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E, M-A-G dot com. Again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, M-A-G dot com. And remember that the first correct email will win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Now, Kim, as we wrap the show up, let's recap. Uh, you know, be sure and like us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show. And you can always find us on the World Wide Web at shalemag.com. Again, that's shalemag.com. And Kim, it looks like we've got another show in the books this week. And we'll see you next week. Adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.